As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Across the globe, you will find us. In the hottest parts of Australia, on the highest peaks of New Zealand. In the shortest shades across the Sahara, by the pools of Dubai. In the taverns of Brazil and the restaurants of Vancouver. In the skyscrapers around the world, we placed our hands and brick by brick we rose them into the sky on the shores of the Cayman Islands and in the boardrooms of London, New York and California. And how would you know if you met us in any of these places? It's quite simple. Had you been lucky enough to come across one of us, you would have heard of our home. We would have told you about the hills of Donegal. Your mind would have been taken to the shores of Galway Bay. You would have felt your forehead burn as you were placed shoulder to shoulder with rival supporters ready for battle on Hill 16. You would have heard of the parishes, big and small, and regardless of their size, our pride in each of them cannot be matched. Places like Noosestown, Yall, Crookstown, Ballinora, Knockinevin, Ballina, Enniskillen, Killybegs, Newry, Dorset Street and Barna, to name but a few droplets in the ocean. And from each of these places we left and we shared our story across the world. And as you listen today, perhaps you are out there creating your own story or perhaps you are preparing to go. Either way, I wish you well. While your path won't be clear, I hope you have the courage to keep going. Sometimes our plans don't always go the way we had wished, but still we left our marks and allowed those who followed to wear our common home as a badge of pride. 
This is one of those stories. In Ireland, in 1841, a child was born. His name was Richard Dunphy. As a young child, Richard watched on as his home was ravaged by a curse it did not deserve. Blight took hold of the only crop the poor Irish were allowed to have and substitutes were exported far away to feed the empire. In order to try and survive, Richard as a young child was placed in the belly of a cargo ship and taken across the wild and unforgiving ocean to the New World. New York was where Richard found a home. He was consumed by the Irish community in the Five Points and just as many others were, he was accepted as a child of all the Irish creating new lives. Richard's young life was tough. In the streets where he lived, fights would often break out. Alcohol consumed those battling with the demons of what they had lived through. Poverty was just an acceptance of the hardship of the Irish in New York. Richard battled on with life as best he could. At the age of 20, Richard began to hear of his new home going to war with itself. The American Civil War had broken out and the young men of America were called to arms. As the war rumbled on, piles of bodies of young men began to form across the states as countrymen turned on fellow countrymen. Richard had no interest in the war. He'd been sent to the New World to better his life, not to die fighting in it. In 1863, Richard's interest in the war would drastically change. The Enrollment Act was passed. This meant that if a state could not fulfil its required draft of soldiers through willing participants, then any man between the age of 20 and 45 could and would be called to the battle. If called to war, you had three options. One, you could pay $300 to buy out your service. Two, you could convince someone else to go in your place as a substitute. And three, get your boots on and start marching. For Richard, options one and two were not possible. The sons of the rich bought their way out of the war through the one-off fee. Those who had decent jobs would pick out the poor Irish from the slums and pay them a minimal fee to go as a substitute. The others, like Richard, had to learn quickly how to handle a weapon. As the war pushed on, those who arrived from Ireland were given the possibility of a green card should they go to fight in a war they had only heard of as they got off their coffin ships. Richard was called to war and had little option but to take part. 
Being a young man with a good, strong build at this point, Richard was made a coal heaver. His job was to pump coal into the engines of the steam-propelled warships as they took to the seas for battle. Some days Richard just chucked coal in as the boat he was on powered through the waters. Other days they happened upon the enemy and Richard worked like a Trojan to ensure the ship kept moving and was able to attack or get to safety. It was tough, unforgiving work. For hours and hours, Richard and the others would shovel tons and tons of coal into the burning fires. Sweat would stream endlessly from every pore in their skin. Their hands blistered and bled. When the shovel broke due to the conditions they were in, they had to work with their bare hands. At the top levels of the ship, glory was claimed and men were made heroes. In the lower levels of the ship, men fought tirelessly with little thanks as they created the conditions for victory. It was on Admiral David Farragut's flagship, the USS Hartford, where Richard was stationed. As the Admiral claimed victories due to his ability to use a torpedo, it was Richard and the others in the bottom of the ship who did the tough, gruelling work. For a good 12 months, Richard worked hard and was recognised as a real leader of men. He figured that if he did his job and ensured others did theirs, then one day he would get off the ship and get back to living again. In 1864, as Richard's ship sailed calmly through Mobile Bay, in the distance they spotted a small Confederate fleet of ships. Richard learned of the spotting as the order was shouted down, damn the torpedoes, full speed ahead. Richard quickly sprung into action and began shouting at the other men in the belly of the ship. Within seconds, Richard had the whole coal heaver crew working in tandem and the ship sped into battle. The battle was fierce. Screams could be heard as men saw what survival means. Torpedoes and bombs began flying towards Richard's ship and as it rocked back and forth with each shock, Richard powered on without flinching. The man wanted to get home. As the battle tore more and more souls from their bodies, Richard's ship began to take heavy hits. Men were knocked over and it became harder to move the coal. Knowing that their failure could mean certain death, Richard continued to lead and worked desperately hard to keep the ship moving. He did not care that his hands were raw and his fingers were burnt from the heat. He was covered in sweat and blisters but kept going. Richard was confident he was doing enough to get his ship to safety should those above be doing their job too. He quickly, however, turned his attention to the fight itself. 
he could see that many of those responsible for loading the guns were now wounded or dead. He decided to begin making his way around the ship, grabbing shells and loading them into the guns. He loaded the guns, then ran back to the coal to load it up, then back again to the guns for the next round. With him, he led a group of men who followed his every word. The battle was swinging in the Union's favour when the moment Richard would never forget came. As he moved the shell, a torpedo struck where he stood and the shell next to him exploded. Richard was blown across the ship and lay covered in blood. Somehow, however, maybe by miracle, Richard was not dead. He woke after a few minutes and looked around from where he lay. The bodies of young men were scattered across the ship and it was in ruins. Blood stained the once varnished timber and he could not identify some of his friends as their bodies lay in parts across the ship's deck. Richard saw that the battle was still ongoing and he moved to get himself up and get back to it. Confused, Richard was unable to get back up. He tried grabbing the timber above him but couldn't get enough of a grip to pull himself up. Still dazed, Richard rubbed his face to try and clear the mental fog. As he did, he felt a warm and wet, thick substance spread across his face. This startled him back to reality and he looked down to see his arms had been blown to pieces. Richard was horrified by what he saw. He was confused, angry and scared. He just looked on at what used to be his hands in front of his face. He then looked across the ship and saw his friends battling hard to try and get to safety. This sprung him into action. No longer with arms, he could not help with the physical tasks, but instead began leading. He shouted to his friends to tell them to get moving and shouted orders to ensure the jobs were done right. Richard then passed out from loss of blood and within hours the battle was over. The victory went to the Union side as Richard and co came out victorious. Richard was spotted and taken to a medical unit. He was given a swig of strong whiskey, given a piece of timber to bite down on, and using a sword, the doctor cut off both of Richard's arms just below the shoulder in order to save his life. Richard spent the next few months recovering in a special medical unit and was discharged after his treatment. A man with no arms was of no use in the war. 
When the story of his bravery on that day of days spread, Richard was nominated with 11 others for a Medal of Honour for their acts of bravery during the fierce battle. The others included Irishmen Thomas O'Connell and Thomas Fitzpatrick, as well as Kerry natives Bart Diggins and William Pelham. More stories for another day. As for Richard, his medal citation read, On board the flagship USS Hartford during successful attacks against Fort Morgan rebel gunboats and the rebel ram Tennessee Mobile Bay. With his ship under terrific enemy shellfire, Dunphy performed his duties with skill and courage throughout this fierce engagement, which resulted in the capture of the rebel ram Tennessee. When he was dismissed, Richard had to hire an assistant to help him to eat and wash. He applied for and received a pension for his time at war. As time went on, Richard applied for more money in his pension as his consumption of alcohol to help him to forget had become costly. Richard married and had a young family. Although he had been awarded it, Richard had to write to the Secretary of the Navy to tell him that he had not yet received the medal itself, and he had to continuously petition those of importance to let him have the medal he had earned. Of the 3,459 people to have been awarded the Medal of Honour, Richard is one of 258 Irish who have received one. This figure, making the Irish the largest cohort of people originating from another nation to have received the Medal of Honour in the United States. In 1871, Richard and his family moved to California, living near a shipyard once commanded by Admiral Farragut, the man Richard had served under during the Civil War. In later life, Richard's sons went to the shipyard to begin their own careers. Both later joined the Navy themselves for the Spanish-American War. Their stories also for another day. As for Richard, at the age of 62, he passed away and he was buried in St. Vincent's Cemetery, Vallejo, California. His obituary reads, Richard D. Dunphy, one of the naval heroes of the Civil War, passed away at his home in this city yesterday morning. Dunphy served in Admiral Farragut's fleet during the war and had both arms shot off during the Battle of Mobile Bay. He was a native of Ireland and 62 years old. The music for this episode was written, performed and produced by myself, Ryan O'Halloran. The story was researched and scripted by Oren. If you would like to help to support this podcast, consider buying us a coffee at www.buymecoffee.com forward slash we the Irish and leave us a review on your podcast app. 
Ryan is Sanam Dum, Gurav Mahakut, Slananish. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.